Welcome to this week's teaching from Exchange Church in the heart of Belfast. Already opened the word this morning, and uh, there's grace upon grace for you in this morning's message. But after we um, we finish up, and I love the way Adam makes everything about food. Do you know what I mean? I just it's just amazing because now I can't. Th- I've lost track of what I was supposed to say. It's just like how many hash browns was that, and four hashes or what? Do you know what? I could take a whack at that oh, in one bap. It, massive, like that size. As we say, you don't know whether to eat it or climb it. Uh, brilliant. So make sure you do that. Also, there's going to be an opportunity today. I'm going to talk about, you know, in this series I've been talking about, um, I'm going to describe it in one minute again from the Word. I'm, I'm using the same bit of Scripture and then just applying it so that you can experience grace upon grace in your life. Because um, there, there are, we, are, we are shaped every day by a thousand different voices. You know, it was interesting. I was walking the dog early this morning. You see, because the R didn't bother me because I'm tough like that. <laughs> All right. So it was funny. Actually, I went to the rugby last night to watch the Ulster men. Sorry, beat the South Africans. Yes, thank you, Jesus. And uh, good match. I don't think the South Africans can deal with the cold. I think that's what the issue was. But, um, but Penny said to me, make sure you take your keys because I'm going to bed at 8 o'clock because the R is changing. And I was like... <laughs> Are you serious? What is wrong with you? He says, I'll be going to bed at eight, so make sure you have your keys with you. And, uh, and right enough, when I came in, the house was deadly still. And I thought, oh my goodness, what have I done? they've all been raptured or something. And it was funny, but I was out walking this morning, and uh, I walked past a bus stop, and it was funny because it's stuck in my head. It was a McDonald's ad. You know, it's a food thing. Uh, there's a McDonald's ad about something sips, right? Have you seen this? And it stuck in my head for, for like the rest of my life. I was going, that's quite clever. And, da, 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 da. and it made me think about what I'm talking about this morning. But like, we are, we are, like, you see something and it's shaped. Like, I went, I want that. <laughs> this is stupid. Do you know what I mean? Like a marketer's dream. I look at one thing on a bus stop, walking past, and then for the next 20 minutes, I'm going, really fancy that, actually. It's quite nice. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And then I hear Penny's voice going, you don't need it. You don't need it. Very quickly. Like the wee things on your shoulders. I want it. You don't need it. I want it. Okay. But isn't it amazing how quickly we're shaped and formed by things? Like, and sometimes you don't even realize it. And what I'm talking about in this series is um, about being transformed and dealing with some of the strongholds is going that the greatest battle that you face is not some cosmic yin and yang battle against the devil. The devil's defeated, right? He doesn't need to get your attention. And actually what it's about is about walking into the goodness of God and declaring that you will see the goodness of God in these days, going from grace to grace and glory to glory. Now, the thing is, God has promised that. So the issue is never on God's side. Do you hear that? God never withdraws. He never steps back. He never says, oh no. He, he promised you that his presence would be with you always, even to the very end of time. Like even like Adam said this morning, east and west. I remember I said to you this a few months ago, it's like it's interesting the Bible says as far as the east is from the west, has he removed everything? Because east and west never meet. North and south do, but east and west never do. So it's like this picture of no matter how far you travel, you will never be outside of the Lord's presence. You'll never be outside of his goodness and his favor. The issue is not on God's side. Honestly, sometimes part of growing up in faith is to go like, now this is where I've got to be really careful because I, I start to step on minefields and people who are immature in faith will go, oh, you're just putting me back under the law. Don't put me, no, and I'm going to say grow up this morning. You know when the apostle Paul came to speak to churches? Like it wasn't all like tea, tea and sarnies, you know what I mean? Some of you are going, 
Is that right? Well, see if you read the Bible. There's this brilliant book called the Bible, and you'll find the whole way through this thing called the New Testament, right? Which the story of Jesus and the church. And in that, as people were learning and growing, one of the things that Paul did, and this is Paul who wrote like, kind of most of the New Testament, and it was the apostle of grace, right? But many, many times he steps into, into, into worlds and he goes, listen, hey, heads up, folks. Because you have received grace, don't live like you haven't. You get that? Not because it's like the Lord's angry with you. Religion will go, don't live like that because the Lord's angry. But actually what the Lord says is, don't live like that because there's so much more for you. You Egypts, what are you living like that for whenever I've saved you for this? You get that? So so the whole emphasis changes. And and what happens is, you know, so sometimes what what we have to be really careful of, because can I let you into a wee secret? Like one of the things that... that, What was that? Is my zip down or something? Sorry, they're laughing, right? Can I let you into a wee secret? Okay. Cliffhanger. Dun, dun, dun. Takes, takes a drink for pause. Sometimes I get worried that... even when, Sometimes I get worried that, so, that many of us just pick and choose the bits that we really want because it makes us feel good. It tickles our ears, right? And we don't, I'll tell you what's the problem with that is. It means that we're not fully trusting Jesus, that every word that he says is true, that everything that he has to say is for our good because it cuts across this thing called the flesh, right? So whenever you are saved, you're, it's, it's Numa that is saved. That's the spirit. That's the bit of you that's going to live forever. When God transformed you and made you a new creation, according to Second Corinthians, Second uh, Corinthians five seventeen, it's like that was your that was the breath of the Numa of God in you. That's the bit that is transformed forever. See this bit, the fleshy bit, that wasn't transformed the day that you were saved. What happens is what happens on the inside of us as we walk every day with the Lord. What happens on the inside is released into our soul, that's how we feel our emotions and all that stuff, and into our bodies, walking in goodness and, and wholeness and, and healing, right? You get that? So what happens is that's the journey that we go on. And the thing is that sometimes we, we I'll tell you why sometimes some of us live disappointed. It's because we hear such incredible truth about the grace of God, and then we go, well, tomorrow it's not working. What's wrong with me? What's wrong with God? Like, hello, anybody done that? Like, I kind of expected this to be like, well, if that's true, just walk, why am I not seeing it? Oh, it's because I'm a sinner. No, it's not. All right? You're not a sinner. You're a saint. Every day. If you're in Jesus, there ain't no, there ain't no sinners who belong to Jesus. You've all been created saints. Some of these needs to go, amen. All right? It's not about that. And it's certainly not God's problem either. And so, but what we realize is that we are continually being shaped we're continually being um, kind of formed by things that if we don't choose Jesus and his grace, something else is going to shape you. Do you know that? Because there ain't no neutral. You don't live life in neutral gear, okay? When you get up and you walk out there, a bit like me walking past the McDonald's thing, which, to be fair, looks really good, so don't judge me, but it's shaped me this morning, right? certainly will shape me if I eat it, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Looking at Ian there looking at me in judgment, right? <laughs> right? But the thing is, every act is preceded by a thought, and one thought multiplies into many thoughts that develop into what the Bible calls a mindset. 
And often that happens without us realizing. And what I've been trying to say to you over this series is one Jesus-honoring, grace-filled thought has the potential to change the entire trajectory of your life and your experience of God. Just one. And so what we want to do, is, as Proverbs 23 says, is you know, understand how we think on the inside. How, what, Labab, the innermost place, what's in there? Because what's in there, we're seeing on the outside of us. Do you get that? And uh, it was interesting. I was listening to loads of stuff this week. And, you know, people who don't even, you know, there's, you see glimpses of this in the world. You see people talking about the law of attraction and all this kind of stuff. And what they kind of, they're kind of onto something. But what, what they're trying to figure out is actually what the Bible already described years and years ago, which is what's on here when that is flowing out. You know, that's what shapes the world around you, right? So if you're, anyway, that's next week's talk. So, so let me just read this, Romans 12. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Now listen to me, take your everyday, ordinary life, right? You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work. You're walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Let me just put a full stop there, right? Remember the context of this in Romans 12 is Paul has just outlined over chapters Okay, the masterpiece, the, the whole gamut of God's grace, saved by faith, set free from the power of sin and death, set free from self, no condemnation. You, you know, and then he goes on to the Israel bit in, in 9 through 11. So he's, he has laid out the context of this is now, now that I've told you all this, do not be conformed to the pattern of the world. Don't fit into it without even thinking. Do you know what that tells you and me? We can fit into it without even thinking, even though we've heard grace. Do you get that? That's why he's saying it. He's saying, all this is laid out, but you still have the potential within you to not walk in the goodness of it. Not because it's God's fault and not because of a sin issue. It's because of this thing around the flesh, right? And, and um, us learning to, to cooperate with what's happened on the inside of us. So let me keep going. Fix your attention on God. Now, this is an interesting one. As I told you about this last week, but it, this kind of fits into some of the, the biggest things that are, are, we're working with today or coming against us today. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. And like the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. Instead, God brings out the best of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. So remember I said, when it says, don't conform to the pattern of this world anymore, the, the, the word there, conform, is to act in accord with the prevailing standards, attitudes, excuse me, or practices. So don't act in accord with the prevailing standards, the prevailing attitudes, and the prevailing practices, right? The popular ideas and popular beliefs, okay? Don't do that because you've heard grace. That's, that's what he's saying. Everyone with me? So then it brings me on today to go, what is one of the prevailing things of that I, I kind of see in the church. I see, it, I see it in the world, but I also have seen it creeping in, particularly post-COVID. It's not even creeping in. It's just all over the place, right? And it's a prevailing standard, and the standard is me. Me. Self. Ego. Okay? Now, listen to me. As I say this to you today, every time the Word of God comes, it's never to condemn. It's always to lift you up for grace upon grace. Do you get that? Every time. But here, here's one of the things that's really interesting for me. It's like the, the world, one of the, the biggest prevailing standards, attitudes, and practices to the point now where actual biological facts, okay, are in dispute because of what I think. Hello? 
If you go, well, it's not really a big issue. Hello. <laughs> Did you ever imagine in the last five years that we would get to the stage where, where people go, I, something that has, you know, we take for granted? Well, I think differently. Well, bully for you. Think all you want, but don't make me get in line with your dysfunction. Do you get me? So, but if you look, let's not take any of those issues and be judgmental about them because there's no point in that. People need Jesus and people need his love. So it's not about the big bad bogeyman out there. It's about going, what is sitting underneath that? Well, the Bible told us years ago what it would be is, is this, is this thing of self. The battle since day one for the whole of humankind has been about self versus God. That's what religion is based on. Religion is based on self, self-effort, self-promotion, self-doing. And grace is about Jesus alone. Do you get that? And the battle has always been that. The battle has always, if you like, if you want to describe it in terms of battle, for us has been, or the struggle, or the choice, or whatever it happens to be, it's not about the devil and kicking his backside. It's not about whatever the social issue of the day. Underneath that, that is the fruit of something. And the fruit of it is self. Do you get that? What do I think? What do I want? What makes me feel good? What is my best life? What is me, 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 me? Do you get that? Now, what we can do is we can look at it in the in extremis, if you like, in the extremes out there and go, oh, that's, that's just bonkers. You know, when, when, like when gone to seed, you see all kinds of crazy stuff, right? But what we need to understand is that some of that taints us as well because we're always, like that is shaping and forming that attitude and that spirit in the world today. And so you call it narcissism, if you like, okay? I think, I think that's been the trajectory, particularly over the last decade. And probably, let me say this, fueled by social media. Now I'm going to have another rattle at Facebook. Bottle up, folks. Here we go, all right? So what, what, what is ego? What is de- well, the definition of that is a person's sense of self-esteem or self-importance. And there's loads of studies here. I just want to read some of it. And they indicate that empathy, generally empathy is the ability to feel with someone, to, you know, to understand and to be you know, in that moment and present with people as we understand what's happening, is declining. And the trait of narcissism is on the rise. This is not me but you know, bashing people. This is what the world says, right? Okay, people are becoming more selfish, seeing less benefit and being empathic. Multiple studies have shown that there's a strong link in heavy social media use and an increased risk of depression, anxiety, loneliness, self-harm, and even suicidal thoughts. Social media may promote negative experience such as inadequacy about your life or your appearance. Anybody? Take 30 minutes on Facebook and tell me how good you feel afterwards. Yeah? Move on, Andrew. Oops. Don't you... You may take this, but you'll never take my Facebook, right? But actually what narcissism does is, and self-centered as an ego, it makes us overly sensitive and easily offended. Anyone? You didn't use my right pronouns. Oh, shut up. Seriously? You don't get your own pronouns. That's language. I'm just saying it. Is that too straight for you? It's absolute bonkersness to go, was that, that's reminding me to take my tablets, sorry. They, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like that, the wee beat. You know, and well, I, I want to be called this. Well, when did we ever get so easily offended about stuff? Don't, don't, don't take the bait and get involved in the issue per se, although some of those issues are important. Underneath it all is self. Because in the absence of God, all you've left is you. And when you see that let gone to seed, if you like, 
It's nothing but rotten. You know, when we think about like the Antichrist and all this and all the crazy charismatics go mental about that stuff, right? Okay. Actually, do you know what, do you know what, what, what it just is? The spirit. You kind of think, is, is it going to be the devil like riding on a big black horse? Like, no. All right. What's, what's number six in the Bible? Man. Six, six, six. Perfect man. Devoid of God. Self. Just throwing that one out. So in case you go, oh, the devil's coming. Six, six, six. And they're going to put it on their foreheads. Don't worry about it. All right. It's just this, the spirit of self on the inside. Let me go on. Is this okay? It's, don't worry. There's lots of grace in this. But when you, like, it makes this as overly sense. It's the basis of all fear, isn't it? Is anyone afraid about opening your mouth to say something today? In case you offend people. Anyone? You can't say this, you can't say that, you can't say the other, because some randomer who quite frankly has no more right to be offended than you and me goes, you can't say that to me, right? That's the spirit, that's the spirit that's, I'm going to be popular on this talk, let me tell you. <laughs> but let, can I just say, never make it about people, and never, because no matter what the issue is, it's a manifestation of brokenness. Do you hear me? And we're all broken people in need of a savior. So let's not point the finger and let's not be judgmental and let's not be critical. Let the world know us by our love, yeah. right? But sometimes being loving doesn't mean that you're a pushover and that you have to bend to every wind and doctrine that comes your way. Right is right. Truth is truth. We don't get to decide that. We get to, to, to choose our response to it. That's what Jesus said. Jesus did that all the time. Jesus let people walk away offended. If you don't believe me, read the rich young ruler said all the right words, but the Lord didn't move. Didn't go, well, let me just bend for you a little bit to make you feel better. He said, no, this is the truth. What's in here needs to change. And the guy walked away offended. And the Lord went, go away offended. Doesn't mean that I don't love you, but it's, I know what's best. Do you get me? Oh, here. Do you know what the thing about self as well is? It just makes you really dissatisfied, doesn't it? It's impossible to satisfy the bottomless pit of our own desire, was the way I wrote it. It underlines, actually, most of the conflict between individuals, between groups, and eventually between nations. It motivates us to do harmful actions in a confused attempt to be happy. We create negative patterns that bring undesirable situations upon ourselves into the future. It impedes our spiritual progress, prevents development of our highest potential. And what I would say is people who are very self-centered... I'm not talking about the world. I'm not bashing the world. I can't, did we, uh, do you know what? If Jesus didn't come to condemn the world, we don't get to condemn them either. Can I just be really clear about that? Because I realize when I'm saying one thing, my people are going, oh, right? I thought you were the grace church. Our job is not to condemn. Our job is to love. Amen. Jesus did not come into the world to condemn, but to love, right? So just keep that in your head as we talk about this. Now, what happens is that people will tend to have an unreasonable, if you're quite self-centered, you'll have an unreasonable amount of entitlement, <laughs> coupled with selfish or greedy behavior. And, uh, and, and I could go on, right? And so what I'm trying to say to you today is that there is part of this which sits in the people of God. Do you get that? So that's why we cannot judge other people when it sits. You know, what? that's the thing about specks and planks. Anyone remember that bit in the Bible? Okay, so you know what I'm talking about. Like, not one of us is sitting here with all of this worked out. So let's not kid ourselves. But what the Lord says is, I want to lead you into grace upon grace. All right? And that's the issue for me. There's this huge paradox in faith, isn't there? 
the message of grace that seems so incredible to us. It offers life in all of its fullness. And then we have our daily walk and our daily experience. And what's the common thing that sits between these two things? It's you, itself. To whatever degree that may be, therein lies the issue. And the impact, the impact is huge. You know, I, I, I'm going to say something here. It's like self is the one surefire way of cutting you off from the flow of grace. Why? Because I honestly believe this. It, it doesn't mean that you're not loved. It doesn't mean that God's heart for you changes in one bit. But when you have you at the center and not Jesus at the center, then what happens is grace stops flowing. Do you get that? Because it has to be about Jesus. He won't share his glory with anyone else. It has to be about him. It has to be about his work in our lives. It has to be about his favor, right? Penny and I were out for dinner on Friday night and we were talking about this. And I, I, I you know, sometimes Penny says to me, here, what are you thinking? And then you can see within 30 seconds, she's going, oh, I wish I hadn't asked that question. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because she thinks it's all just about rugby and golf and whatever. And to be fair, 90% of the time it is that. You know what I mean? <laughs> Because there was at one point where I was thinking, like Rory McIlroy drove the ball 349 yards through the air on Thursday. That's not even, how's that physically possible? And I'm thinking, I'm eating dinner with Penny back in the room. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but she caught me at a moment where I was actually thinking something deep. And I was, I, was, I was thinking about, you know, how sometimes we celebrate things that are in the church that are like worldly successful. So big numbers, big, con- and all that kind of stuff. And we celebrate that. And I kind of go, but if it was God doing it anyway, why do we celebrate the people? Do you get that? I kind of go, well, if we believe that God brings the fruit, somebody's planted the seed, somebody's watered it over years, and at some point it grows, but we only tend to kind of magnify the people where it grows, right? And I'm going, but what about all the people who, who, like, if you're faithful year after year after year, which many of you are, right? It's planting and sowing, and, like, God loves that, and he honors you and blesses you, so let's not fall into the trap of going, if he brings about the fruit, that it was something to do with us. It was his work anyway. That's what grace, you know, grace, we don't get to claim it, because it's always about Jesus, so if you're sitting today going, I'm year after year, I've been faithful and sowing and doing stuff, God bless you. He sees everything and he will honor you for it, right? Not just the people who get the, you know, there's people who, who, who are entrusted obviously to walk in, the, in this bit, but that doesn't happen unless somebody sows down here. Do you get that? So with your families, with your work, with everything that you've done faithfully for years, God says, let me just encourage you this morning. I didn't miss a bit of it. Anyway, so that's what I was talking about over dinner with Penny. And going, it's funny how, you know, in, in, even in the church, we see this thing of, of the, this, this, this dichotomy at times around, is it God, is it me, is it God, is it me? But what I want to say, there's a verse here I want to I I help you with today. Because, you know, I honestly believe the, the more there is of you, the less there is opportunity for God to pour grace. And you've got to ask yourself, because we are talking about serving today, about being involved in ministry in the church. I mean, you're going to have, we, we want you to sign up and do stuff. We want you to give your money. Why? So more people can encounter grace. And I can tell you now, a hunt, near, nearly 100% of the time in any room like this, or when people are sitting online, as soon as you hear that, there is a list of reasons why you want to exclude yourself from it. And I just want to tell you, mostly itself. I can't. I won't. I, you know, this doesn't suit. And the Lord says, would you ever trust that every single word I spoke to you was about life and increase and growth? Every word. But when you want to pick and choose, go, oh, I like that bit because it tickles me, but this bit not so much because it's interrupting my flesh, then you've just cut yourself off from the flow of grace. 
Don't do that. Right? Your flesh will never feel good. That's why it talks about being trained in grace, being trained in grace. Because the journey is, I become less, as John described, and he becomes more. Does that make sense? I become less, and he becomes more. Now, what's that about? Why? Because God's always leading me into a deeper, fuller experience of favor and blessing that I could never earn. Let me, let me help you with this, right? Like, let's not... The thing about pride, I mean, if you call it pride, you call it self or whatever, right? I, I've described this before. Pride is not, you know, the, the biblical view of pride is, you know, it, 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 it's centered on you and it's not centered on God. It's not an overinflated view of yourself, although sometimes it manifests itself that way. Sometimes it manifests itself in a way which you think you're better than someone, but that's not, that's not the point. That's the outward, that's the fruit of a hard attitude which is about you. You get that? So, like James 4, 6 says this. It says, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Now, before you all go, wearing hair shirts and flipping, flagellating yourselves every morning, standing in cold buckets of water like he does, something wrong with him, right? And uh, you know what I mean? No. And going, oh, it's all about humble, poor old me. That's not at all what it means. Can I just unpack this for you in the original language? But God resists. It's a word, antitasso. It's a great word. And what it means is this. Now, it's a strong word because it means that when God resists, right, it means he rejects the entire makeup. (laughs) Let me say that again so that there's no doubt. When God resists the proud right? He absolutely, unequivocally rejects the makeup of self. Why? Because it will never bring you, you cannot naturally, by your own effort, bring yourself into a supernatural experience of God. And what he's more interested in is you walking supernaturally favored than you trying to work it out yourself. Because he looks at you and you go, frankly, I love you, but you could never do it. Let me show you a better way. So I, out of his goodness for you, out of his love for you, will reject entirely your effort to walk in any kind of favor with him. Isn't that amazing? He's actually doing us a favor. He's actually loving us. He's actually being so kind to us. But some of us don't see it that way. Because we, we're not in the place of fully being surrendered to the Lord and trusting him entirely and trusting in his work of grace. So we feel like we need to hold on to the bits where we can't really trust him for it. And he goes, no, I reject the entire makeup of that. Antitasso, go read it for yourself. It says the proud, all right? Not the, the proud, but the proud, what was that? Uh, the proud, right? <laughs> it's a uh, hyperphanos, <laughs> right? What a word. To believe that oneself is above others, including God. Now listen to me. So God entirely rejects the thought that you are above him in any way. He just goes, I don't do that. Why? Because I love you. Remember, it's all underpinned by love. Everything he does is motivated by love. So out of his goodness and his mercy to you, he goes, I'm not going to let that one stand. Okay? I won't do it because it'll never work. He's been to the end and he's seen it a million times. In our natural selves, there is nothing of our own ability that can bring us into supernatural favor. If it's truly supernatural, then it is grace. 
And so he resists that in us, and he gives grace to the humble, the tapenos, right? And do you know what that means? It just means a God-reliant person and somebody who's not self-reliant. Go and read it. There's your strongs. God-reliant, not self-reliant. So God rejects the thought that you're above him, but he gives undeserved, unmerited favor to those who are reliant on him first. Isn't that amazing how that changes that verse for us? And I go, it's not brilliant. So my journey is to go, even though I'll go up and down in it, I'll not be the finished thing by tomorrow. It's my heart posture has got to be, Lord, I want to be more reliant and I want to trust you more. So that sometimes means, right, that when I'm listening to your word and I'm, I'm dealing with, with the stuff on the inside of me, I've got to trust that when self appears in any way, it's not going to lead me to favor. So I've got to submit it to you and ask for grace in that area and say, no, just like the Lord resists it in us, we're going to resist it ourselves. We get to choose, okay? We get to choose it. We get to choose life. And one of the ways that we do that is by serving. It's by giving ourselves beyond just what we want. You know, I, I, um, I need to go reasonably quickly here. The, the other thing is, because humility sometimes is often seen as just talking yourself down. That's what the world sees, putting yourself down. Actually, when you look at the, the biblical definition of humility, outside of God, there is no definition for it. Because humility is God-focused, right? So I don't know if you're in the world, what are you focused on if it's not you? Do you kind of get people in the world that are just lost? Like, honestly, like God love them. Where do they look if it's not to themselves? Can you look to politicians? No. Look to the economy? No. Look to whatever. I mean, genuinely, outside of picture your life outside of Jesus today and go, where would you be looking if you didn't have Jesus and his work? Where would you be? We would all be stuffed, right? I don't know. But you get it? People are going to, because we're built. We're built to belong. We're, we're built to find purpose, and we're going to find it somewhere, right? But the problem is self just leads us to rack and ruin. And so I'm encouraging you today to go in this, like this thing of being conformed is just to check in ourselves, right? Just to check in ourselves. What are the bits of our lives where sometimes it's easier just to give in to self? Anyone? I'm, I'm preaching to myself this morning. I am never enough to make me happy. Penny's not enough to make me happy, as amazing as she is. Do you get that? Never designed that way. Jesus and his grace first. Jesus and his work first. And then what happens is all the unrealistic expectations I have of Penny and everybody else become less in the sight of the one who gave it all for me. And so when I can fully put myself onto him in reliance and trust, then what happens is it gives me grace for the people around me. But the converse is also true. Okay? When I approach everything with does this suit me? Do I like it? How do I feel about it? What will it cost me? Right? What's interesting about grace, we say it week after week after week, don't we? Grace never demands anything from you. It only ever supplies. Who says amen? Isn't that the truth? God never takes away from you. Do you know that? Something you need to remind yourself. He, he, what, he doesn't need anything from you, so why would he take it? Why would he steal your joy? Why would he steal your peace? Why would, he, why would he steal anything from you or take? Grace gives and gives and gives. And when you don't think you can receive anymore, he keeps pouring in. So you are full to running over. That's who Jesus is. He is not a God of demand. 
Every demand that sat before, before us was met by Jesus. Every demand was met for you. There is no more demand between God and you, only love to pour out on you day after day after day. But the world will tell us that that can't be true. It's too good to be true, like myself, right? See what I did there? <laughs> Libby, help me out. Libby's looking at Too good to be true, Libby. Do you get too good? Me, anyway. <laughs> Pray for Libby over there, right? Do you get it? Because what the world will tell you is this. There, there's, there ain't no such thing as a free lunch, right? <laughs> Have you ever said that? There's no such thing as a free lunch. Ah, grace is entirely free. It's not just your lunch, it's your breakfast, lunch, dinner, and everything else you need. Okay? That's outrageous, of course, it is. it's scandalous. God's love is absolutely ridiculous. You can't get the depth of it, the height of it, the width of it, the length of it. You'll never consume the vast riches of his goodness and his grace to you. Of course, it's scandalous. That's why it's such good news. Right? But what the world says, and it sits in our hearts, that's why we need to receive grace upon grace. And as we receive, then we put faith to it. Okay? That's our bit. We put faith to it. It's the world will say, every time you give, there is a cost associated with it. Give your time, you, it's just cost you. Right? I have a verse in my head for nearly every one of these, but I don't have time to do them. You give your money, that's been a cost. Right? Serve that person, that's a cost. Everything is in the negative column, right? It's in the debit column. And what the kingdom of God does, what grace does, Jesus comes along and goes, let me take your piece of paper, I'm going to screw that up, chuck it over there, and completely turn it around for you. Because everything that you do in response to my grace, I see as faith, and I pour in even more. So you think you don't have enough time right now? Okay, put it into the hands of God and see him multiply it and bless it. You don't think you've got enough money right now to give? Put it into the hands of the God of heaven and watch him multiply and bless it. Because you're not giving to take away. When the Lord says, give to me in your giving, it's because it's an investment that will see a return in your life. We've got to get the mind of God in this. We've got to see the heart of grace in this. Because the pattern of this world is self first and everything that does not feed self is a negative and you need to walk away from it. And the kingdom of God is not like that. The gospel of grace is not like that. The gospel of grace says that the king of heaven who gave it all is flowing and flowing and flowing, not stopped in any way or hindered by your mess, but by only determined by his goodness and his heart. And he never stops. So get in the flow because the only thing that, you know, the flow, I'm going to go pure charismatic here. Get in the flow. There's a new river, Voto and all that. Only joking, right? <laughs> I love that stuff. Remember all that stuff? No? If you're a charismatic, you grew up with it. It was like, there was always a new flow, a new river, a new something that, you know, anyway. So the only thing that, to be honest, can make you miss that is self. Why? Because God resists entirely the makeup of somebody who goes, I know, or I'll do. But he pours unmerited, undeserved favor and blessing on those who rely on him. You get that? I know fine well when I say this this morning, some of us need help. Right? I, I get it. Because this goes right to the core, actually. And um, 
For I am absolutely, I'm absolutely convinced that, uh, absolutely convinced that as the word, you know, you know, in one way as the word gets darker, the light shines brighter. In some ways, the more ridiculous it gets out there, the more I look at the truth of Jesus and go, that's incredible. Anyone? I'm not as scared. Like, get as dark as you want out there. Like, seriously, as black as night, because that just makes the light of Jesus and his truth so much clearer for all to see. Because people will go at some point, right? Well, actually, I have this thing about left-wing theology or left-wing thinking. I'm just going to tell you that. Nail my colors to the mast. I am not a lefty, all right, in any way. You might not be surprised about that, uh, but I'm not. But I, th- I see it starting to eat itself. Right? Do you get that? It's kind of turning in on itself. It's bonkers. Just let, do you know what? Let it, in one way, I go, let, let them work it out. Do you know why? Because they're just going to destroy each other. The absolute madness of some of the stuff that we see, uh, and they're all fighting on that, that side of the house. You know, if, you're, if you read The Guardian, fine. Uh, let me pray for you. Jesus, just kidding, right? And, uh, not my bag, okay? But here's the thing. I'm just, and I'm allowed to say that. But, you know, I'm allowed to have my own point of view, okay? But I don't see anything. I think, it's, I think there's a lot, a, a lot just can't, doesn't sit easy with me spiritually around some of that stuff and what I see. But eventually it just turns in on itself and it eats itself, right? And what I love about that in one sense is not to gloat, but is to go, when the world at some point even sees the ridiculousness of it all, then Jesus is brighter. I go, thank you, God. Because do you know what is true? People are hungry for truth. They are searching for it. They are going to the ends of the earth for it. They're paying money for it. They're medicating themselves for it. They want to know what is true. And Jesus said, I'm the truth. I'm the truth. Okay? So let let me help you just in the last five, five minutes. Has this been okay? I kind of feel like I've gone on a wee bit of a mini rant. I haven't really. I'm just trying to express my heart in this stuff. Maybe it has been a wee bit of a mini rant. But some of, us need to, some of us need to wake up and go, you know what? There ain't no neutral in the world today. It's like there, there's a thing of, uh, you know, it says in the word about forceful men taking hold of the kingdom of God and they forcefully advance it. That's not about you and your effort, right? That's not what that's about. Like, we're going to go and to be forceful, right? Whoa, right? I kind of go on any particular day. I'm like, nah, you're all right. Sounds like too much like hard work. Do you know what I mean? Anyone? Remember that? We used to, used to pray over all the young kids in our last church. Right, you're going to be forceful this week. And I was sitting there going, mate, I've got my A-levels. Do you know what? It's like, not really feeling that one. But you know what? I'll go and love people like Jesus told me to. And uh, I don't even know what that's about. Like our force you know, and it would always come at the end of a certain, you know, I used to play in Robin Mark's band, who I love dearly, and we'd sing, no, not by might, nor even power, but by your spirit. Yeah? That's forcefully taken. I'm going, which one is it? Somebody help, help a brother out here. We've been singing, no, not by might. And then you have to forcefully advance. And I'm like, I, I don't know, I just feel schizophrenic in the middle of all this. Do you know what I mean? It's like, do I forcefully sing that song to people? What is it? Just pick something. Can't be about me. Can I just say today, right, um, one, of, one of the best ways to start to, because you can't do this in a vacuum, right? What you have to do is you've got to take grace, and what did I say months ago? Mix it with what? Faith, right? Remember, it's of no use to you if you don't take the grace of God and mix faith with it, right? You don't get a return. What the Lord says is, 
you're loved, you're blessed. All of that stuff never changes. But the experience of going deeper in grace upon grace requires your faith response. Not what shall I do, but how do I receive? And then what does that cause me to do in my life? And so today when you go out there, you'll be able to scan something and, uh, and look at different areas that you can just minister. And I minister in this church, right? What I'd say is go after it. Take a whack at it, all right? Oh, I can't, I'm far too busy. Oh, I can't give because I, I don't know, have whatever. What I'd say is this. Today, just if you've heard me, self is the antithesis of grace and it takes you... It just has a real negative impact on your life. So here's what I would say about this. It's not a rallying call to get you to do stuff because I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in your heart response to go, you know what, um, let me read the, the word for you here. If you've gotten anything out of following Christ, if you've got anything at all out of following Christ, anyone? Yeah. If his love has made any difference in your life? Yeah. If being a community of the Spirit means anything to you? If you have a heart, if you, ha- if you care, this is the message, right? And do me a favor. I love that. Do me a favor. Right? Agree with one another. Love one another. Be deep-spirited friends. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet-talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside. Help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. That's pretty straight, isn't it? Right? I love that. Oh, I can't, okay, and, and all the enemy will do is keep putting self in between you and the flow of grace. Now, let me just help you with this. Anytime we serve one another, okay, it comes from an overflow of God in our lives. That's why in this church we never push you to go, go and sign up and do stuff. You know, in some churches, they probably have your own ragged. Like, you'd have a big chart in behind the scenes somewhere, Joan, right? What they do is they go, she wasn't at the prayer meeting. Black mark. <laughs> that. Like mission control. Remember those like World War II things where they're pushing the, you know, like and pushing the, like, you know, all that stuff. It's like, who was at the meeting? She wasn't. We were that way. No, all that stuff. She's down the list. Like big, massive kind of spiritual snakes and ladders. Uh-oh. And they're, you know what I mean? I don't know if you've ever had an experience of church. We're not like that. All right? Amen. But he says, that if his love has made any difference, Right? If his love has made any difference, then what happens is there's an overflow. And the more we appreciate and understand what Jesus has done for us, actually what should happen is the more we want to love and serve those around us. Matthew 10, 8 says that, doesn't it? Freely as you've received and give, right? And I want to tell you this, the flesh will say no. And I just want you to say yes to grace. Say yes to grace. And you know what? Part of me goes test God in it and see what he'll do. Test God and see what he'll do. Because some of us have been struggling, going, oh, it's not working and this, that, and the other. And the Lord says, a bit like the rich young ruler, you know, he confronts at times and says, Here, here's, here's what I think. There's too much of you in the middle of all this. Ah, but Lord, you don't understand. And he'll let you walk away today loving you all the same. Will it change his love for you? No. Will it change your love for him and the people around you? 100%. I think the second thing I want to quickly say is this, is like Philippians 2.5, it's about imitating the life of Jesus. Think of yourselves the way that Christ Jesus thought of himself. He had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. Not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity, of being God, and he took on the status of a slave, becoming human. 
Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life, and then he died a selfless, obedient death, and the worst kind of death at that, a crucifixion. John 6, 38 says, For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. I just want to finish with one, one verse, okay, because I, I realize I'm right up on time. Like, I was going to teach, I might do it next time, I was going to teach on Jesus washing disciples' feet, because that's a cracker, right, about what that actually means. Will I keep that? Will I save it? Yeah, let me save it, because I don't want to rush it. It's absolutely brilliant. It's a talk in itself. And um, about the whole imagery there and, and everything. So, and it's, it's particularly good coming in, because next week's Palm Sunday, and then, you know, it's that whole thing of, of the triumphal entry and what Jesus does, and it's phenomenal. So I'll do, I'll, am I preaching next week? Yes. Brilliant, I'll do that. So there we go. Just had to check with the boss to make sure um, we're aligned right there, right? Let me, let me just leave you with one verse in 1 Peter 4, verse 10. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as what? Good stewards of God's varied or multifaceted grace. I, I can think of nothing better, genuinely, be a steward of God's grace. And it doesn't look like me, 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 me. It looks like, hey, you know what? How can I help you? How can I set myself aside? And remember this, every time the world says you set yourself aside, it describes cost and lack. It describes taking away. And grace turns it all around and says every time you set yourself aside, you position yourself for glory. You position yourself for provision. You position yourself for grace upon grace. So let's not be conformed to the pattern of the world. You're seeing what it is in extremis, okay? Don't point the finger. Just go, that heart sits. That's just gone to seed. That's the same thing that sits in every one of us. Thank goodness we've got grace today. <laughs> All right? Close your eyes and I'll pray. Father, we thank you in this place that uh, when your word comes to us, it, it, uh, you know, it encourages us, Lord. It pushes us. It shows us that uh, there's so much more for us, Lord. I pray over every heart here this morning, everyone's listening online, everyone who's going to listen. Father, I pray that this morning we would have... Do you know what I believe for you? Actually, do you know what I'm preaching, preaching this morning? I go, this is a breakthrough for some people. Do you get that? I, I just see positivity from, from the Holy Spirit written all over this. This is breakthrough. It's, the mo it's, it's, it's a moment where you decide that I will be reliant on you for everything I need, God. I don't need to come kind of weak and limp into your presence every Sunday in church looking for a little bless me. I am strong. I am a child of God. I am positioned for grace and for glory. And today, Lord, there's going to be, you know, a breakthrough for me as I move beyond, move beyond just ego and me. And Lord, you show me greater vision, greater purpose for my life. You show me again that I can rely and trust in you for all things. And I thank you, Father, that there is more grace. 
there is more breakthrough. There is more healing. There is more peace. There is more hope. There is more future for every single one of us on the other side of this, Lord. And Father, I thank you for, for our journeys, Lord, even as we're working this out in ourselves. Father, I thank you that we would be attuned to your voice today. Father, that we wouldn't rush past a moment. Father, a moment just to go off, oh, you know, like I'll get distracted again by something else. But Jesus, I would really pray right now that there would be such a sense of trust in this place in your word, that faith would come to people right now, Lord, that their best days, Father, are not just like, you know, we don't want to have that when my boat comes in mentality, but we want to take your grace and mix it with faith and believe, Lord, that as we do that, as you speak and as you lead, that you are breaking down walls, you're breaking through situations in us, around us, Father, and leading us to a deeper experience of your love. Somebody give me an amen this morning. That's what we believe, Lord. So, Father, we honor your word. Jesus, we honor your work. We honor you in this place, Lord. We lift you up high above every other name, Lord. And we thank you that your word is always truth and it always brings us into life. So, Father, I pray a protection over this word this morning. I pray, Father, that as you've spoken to people, they've heard your voice. Father, that they would mix that with faith today. I pray this in your precious name, Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. Let's stand and we're going to worship together. And... Uh, Um, we're also going to lift our offering, sorry. Can I just say this? Your giving matters. So let's not, let's not rush up. Just hold those baskets for a minute. Okay, if I could just really encourage you to not give in to the narrative of the world. Don't be shaped by the prevailing ideas of lack, all right? Every single one of your needs has been oversupplied. Do you, get, do you hear me? Some of you don't believe that. And when you give, it is an act of faith. And 10% in the Bible, as an example, for those, we believe in tithing. We believe in our gifts. Whenever God sees that, he sees the whole. And it's not about your money. It's about your, it's about your heart. It's about your trust. There's supernatural provision for you in these days. We don't live in a land of lack, spiritually speaking. Do you get that? We are prospered people, raised up for such a time as this. And if you hear law when it comes to giving, you need to just bring it to the Lord and go, Lord, okay, help me. I believe, but help me with my unbelief. Because that's what it is. I want to believe you, but I can't because I'm too afraid. And Jesus says, money's the least. He says, I've got so much more for you in terms of real spiritual blessing, real richness got so much more for you than that, right? So listen to me, and as I prompt you, then move. Mix it with faith. Because I'm not taking from you. Remember, that's the lie. All the world has is it, it, it extracts. It demands. And the Lord says, all I ever do is supply and pour out. Trust me and test me in that, the Lord says. So that's why we give today, amen? So listen to the Lord. There's lots of different ways to give. You can give cash today. You can transfer. The details will be on the screen probably. You can PayPal, whatever way suits. But don't rush past the moment, okay?
Let's grow up and say, Lord, my best days are in front of me. I will not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Amen. Let's worship the Lord. Thank you.